Hey listeners, be sure to check out Dead Dog Drums, a local custom drum company specializing in innovative sound and shell design. This February, Dead Dog Drums is featuring brand new single-ply steam-bent shells, including black cherry, ambrosia maple, and red heartwoods. Steam-bent shells help project maximum tone and are ideal for studio use. If you're in the market for a new snare, mention Witch Police when placing your order with Lexi or Chris at Dead Dog Drums and receive $25 off your order. And note that doesn't need to be for a steam-bent shell. If you want to get in touch with Dead Dog Drums, email them at deaddogdrums at gmail.com or check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash deaddogdrums. They're also on Instagram at dead underscore dog underscore drums. You're listening to Garbage Hill, Winnipeg's first podcast network, garbagehillnetwork.com. My name is Casimir Grell. Welcome to Witch Police.
right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm your regular host, Sam. I'm solo hosting again tonight, and I'm here with Casimir Gruel, who is a first-time guest on the show. Yes. So um, I guess maybe the best way to, to start this is if you want to just kind of give us a background as to who you are, what you do, and then we can just sort of launch into it from there. Okay. Um, I guess primarily at this point, I'm a songwriter, guitar player, singer, but uh, everything kind of started with saxophone. Okay. So I've been as a like, saxophone session player for a few groups. So I got involved in music. Okay, through sucks, yeah. Kind of had my solo stuff on the side constantly, and then I got tired of playing other people's music all the time. And right, right. Tried to, <laughs> tried to do my own. Cat oh. sniffing the microphone? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, okay, so you, you, have, you have solo stuff that's like just now starting to come out. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you have a single that's out right now that people would have heard at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. And um, you have an album that you're working on. Yes. Um, so I guess uh, I've heard the single. It's great. I, I really enjoy it. And, um, I mean, it has definitely like a folk roots kind of sound. To it, which is a really vague genre. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you can hear that, and it, that that description. It could mean pretty much anything at this point. So, I, I mean, what do you? How, how do you define the sound that you have for your solo stuff? We can get back to the the, the saxophone and all that mm-hmm. in a minute, but for your actual solo material, how, how do you describe the yeah. sound for that? Um, I'm not. It depends on the mood I'm in when I'm writing. I guess okay. and what I've been listening to for that. Like, uh, I guess it's, it's hard to explain because I haven't really released any of the other songs. Right, so, right. Um, you kind of have the idea of what winter sounds like but the other songs are all completely different okay. just based on okay so what do what do you call yourself i mean uh, if you, i know genre labels guess, are, are annoying yeah, but roots folk would be the, <laughs> okay, the only yeah. way I could, like yeah. maybe alt folk roots I don't know. okay okay yeah the way it's, it's totally hard to hard to define too yeah. because i think that everyone nowadays is kind of melding genres so much anyway that yeah. to just kind of pigeonhole yourself but i mean roots folk is it's yeah. descriptive. Yeah, everyone <laughs> it's, has it's so many thing. influences nowadays. Yeah, yeah, like, for sure, for sure. You know? I think before everyone would kind of be stuck to their own specific thing just because it, well, everything wasn't so available, but now you're basically open to... Open to everything. To everything, yeah. So that's... Uh, yeah. Roots folk, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the album, I mean, the single is Winter. Uh, it's been out, I guess, by the time people hear this for a couple months. Um, mm-hmm. What's the deal with the album? Is that, like, I don't know that's in the works, but is that uh, yeah. got a release date and everything, or...? Um, it's about 66% done okay. at this point. Um, it, the release date is hopefully fall. Cool. Okay. Uh, still kind of writing all the material, so it's hard to, yeah, hard to actually pinpoint a time. Right. If it's not all, yeah, yeah. yeah. So is that um, uh, how many songs are you doing? A full length or is it an EP? Or uh, we're actually trying to do, trying to do something a bit different with this album. We've uh, we've kind of noticed a trend with lots of albums lately where they have like sixteen songs on, yeah, and which is great, you know. But sometimes they're not all like, yeah, pro- like fully <laughs> crafted. There's totally. lots of just like it's like time filler. Albums, so we're yeah. trying to do a nine song album. That's but have good. all the songs as right, the nice meticulously songs crafted as we possibly can. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I, I feel like that happens more often, the, the kind of bloated ones on, on hip-hop albums these days, where it's mm-hmm. like 35 songs when you could have had seven, and it would have been amazing, and then there's yeah. just like, you know, 12 skits, and, go, is it, and uh, yeah, so... And you get the grindcore albums with like 99 Right, and then it's like 20 minutes, and there's <laughs> yeah. like a thousand songs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, how did you, how did you make the decision to... Do a solo album. I mean, like, like you said, you, you've worked with a lot of different groups before, mainly kind of as a sideman sort of role. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine you've been working on this stuff for, for a while, just on the side. But how, what made you decide to, okay, now's the time to go out and actually release some of my solo stuff? Um, I guess just the start of actually starting to be motivated in it. Uh, you would have, I would, I'd be playing with other groups and I'd kind of have this side project that I'd be writing songs and like I've, I've tried to get a band together for this project okay at least like two times every year for the past five years <laughs> and just never and uh, you know we have like two rehearsals in the show 
Yeah. And then there's just I I I've just I was too lazy or too busy with other projects and not enough focus on that one. Right, right. So it's just gets kind of pushed aside. Yeah. yeah. So then I made the ultimatum to kind of drop out of some bands, which is a hard decision. But well, how many were you in? Um, I was playing. It, it averaged between about four and seven. It's a lot. I got to full time. I guess full time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. So, so I mean. Um, what are you playing? Are you playing just a lot of different instruments on this? I mean, saxophone obviously is something that you have a lot of experience doing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's clearly from listening to the, the single anyway, Winter, there's it's not just a saxophone, right? <laughs> I mean, there's other instruments involved. How much of that is you? How much of that is other people? What's the? Um, I'm doing most of the vocals and the guitar work. Okay. And then I have uh, then I have Matt Flopless on lap steel. Okay. That guy seems to be around uh, a lot He's of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ricky Nemosiak uh, from Attica Wrights and other okay. Bands, uh, okay. on keyboards. Uh, Daniel Burtnick also around on pretty much everything along with Matt cool. on drums and then uh, and then I ha- on the record I had Matt Flopless also on bass okay and are these all people you had worked with before in other projects or yes. yeah? yeah they've okay. been kind of long time we very solid core group oh cool okay. playing together uh, family planners I guess would be okay that's, that cool. sounds familiar for sure yeah. yeah yeah that's cool so is this is this kind of like the the band now that's going to go forward? I mean, are you going to be playing shows with that lineup as well? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're starting, uh, hopefully starting kind of for festival season. Oh, cool. So I'll, I'll yeah. do all my applications and everything, and then hopefully this is the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. That's cool. So um, I guess I do have a lot of questions, especially about the saxophone stuff, just because uh, that is kind of an unusual route to go into, I mean, especially doing folk roots, whatever you want to call it, the yeah. music. I mean, usually saxophone is kind of uh, an instrument that's maybe on the inside of that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of guitars, lots of uh, banjos and things like that, and the yeah. and sax is kind of this other thing that <laughs> people maybe incorrectly, you know, uh, associate with other genres of music. So we'll get into that in a minute, but for people who haven't heard the show before, the way this works is we have a random theme word. I punch a button on the computer, shoots a word out at us, and depending on what the word is, we maybe have an easy uh, <laughs> easy way of choosing songs or a hard way, but this this week we got came up with belly, which uh, I thought it was all right. I mean, um, for a random word, it it can often be very strange, and belly at least is somewhat normal. I don't know. I don't know if you had any difficulty finding songs with that, or uh, I, I I had difficulty finding them at first, and then as soon as I found a slurry of them, yeah, I had difficulty choosing which ones I wanted. Yeah, you get too many <laughs> for sure. I think that happens every time. Yeah, it just kind of one leads to another, yeah. leads to another, and then it, yeah, it keeps going. So, uh, do you want to pick a belly song? To get us started, and then we'll come back and talk a bit more about your music. Sure. What was Dude. the first thing that you uh, that came to mind for you? Uh, the first one that I found was a uh, belly flop by Count Basie. Okay. Obviously, because belly is in belly the name. Belly yeah. I mean, yeah. is that is that a song you already like? You already knew and liked, or did you? Did you yeah. Look it up. Yeah. You already worked with it. But it took a while to kind of like. Yeah. You know, get the wheels turning get, on, yeah. on the word. Yeah. <laughs> sure.
we're back. That was Belly Roll by the Count Basie Orchestra. And yeah, that was a cool way to, to start off the show. I, think. <laughs> I feel like whatever the starting song is often sets the tone of the rest of the show. And if it's... We've had a few occasions where people have picked like a seven-minute song at the beginning and it maybe doesn't always, uh, you know, for the listener, <laughs> get them doing it. But that was nice. It was nice and punchy and, and quick. And I yeah. mean, is that... Um, I feel like Count Basie is one of those names that I am very familiar with the name. And I mean, but... As far as actually listening to stuff, there's obviously some things I've heard over the years just because, like, of the, of the status, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. in terms of in just the music in general. But I can't say I own a Count Basie record or I could even name more than maybe a handful of songs. Yeah. I mean, is this somebody that you have a lot of experience listening to? Like, a, maybe a wide... Uh... It, for, for a while, yeah. yeah. Since I was uh, studying... Or not, like, I mildly studied jazz, I guess, okay. on sax. Right, right. And so that's uh, so that's where I kind of got into all the big band stuff. Okay, okay. more so than solo solo jazz artists. So. Is that still? I mean, you're listening as far as jazz. Still, yeah, yeah, I still love big band. Yeah, yeah. cool, cool. What what year is this from? Do you know, like what kind of uh, era this is? I don't know. Um, I don't know what this one is, but forties, fifties. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Makes sense. I guess. Yeah, cool. So yeah, I guess that's a good tie into the sax stuff because I mean, like you mentioned earlier, you know, you you played sax for a lot of different groups, and obviously you're interested in in, in this in the big band sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, so what's your background as a sax player? Like, how do you? I mean, a lot of people, I think, play pick up a sax or a trumpet or any one of those kind of jazz band instruments. Maybe in high school they played for a few years. Maybe they were in a ska band in the nineties, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then that's it, right? And then then it's kind of like it doesn't doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, so uh, I guess how did you how did you get into that instrument and and how has that instrument kind of got you into the music scene in Winnipeg? It. Uh... Well, it got me into the music scene because there's not many sax players. Yeah, and that 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 kind of right. was a was a good kickstart because I started playing saxophone in in band class. Just like probably Just, most people, you know, I think most do, people. Yeah. So yeah. I started on clarinet, then they gave me put me on saxophone, and I started playing baritone saxophone in high school. Oh, nice! And uh, that was what actually got me into a lot of my first bands, was because yeah. no, there wasn't any baritone. Players. Yeah, it's pretty unique. I mean, most people are like tenors, I guess, right? Like when you have sax players. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that one, you know, they they would be. People would be asking for me to play, so I kept kind of rolling with it. Right. That was how that all kind of began. So, so, what kind of what kind of projects were you were you playing for? Like when you, I mean, what kind of bands are looking for a baritone sax player? I guess um, back in the day, the for one of the first bands I actually joined that was more uh, more of a higher profile was Burnt Project One. Okay, um, it was Dave Belanger's kind of project, and uh, they were they kind of nestled me in as a seventeen year old. Young guy, so they were all and they were all, they were yeah, they were all much not well, yeah, pretty much older than me, in their late twenties, I guess. Okay, okay. And uh, we were doing some some pretty awesome gigs. We were flying out places and cool. Got nominated for Juno and stuff, and that was that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. So I was like, you're a, young, like a, a young, huge, yeah. you know, young guy. You're like, oh, this is really yeah, yeah, this that's is a really huge cool. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was uh Things like that. Then uh, I guess uh, band, local band None the Wiser by right. by Eli. Right. And Eli's been on our show before too. Yeah, actually, yeah. So, so he was cool. uh, and he was another guy I played baritone with, family planners, somebody language. Oh yeah, so that's it. And yeah. And you're still doing that? Is that still a thing, or is it is the solo project kind of taken? Still doing somebody language, Molly. Um, I've been, I've been kind of a dick to them lately, and uh, <laughs> just because you focus, on <laughs> just because I'm focused on all yeah, this yeah, stuff yeah. right now, and uh, and in the process of moving to, but uh, so I've. I've been kind of neglecting stuff lately but you're still part of that band yes cool so how uh i mean is this just kind of for live shows or for recordings or both or just kind of whenever someone needs a sax player you're the guy or? yeah um for for both i guess i've done done a decent amount of just session work where i go cool. and play on someone's album or cool someone's song 
is that, and is that just mainly from having done it before in other people's records? Like someone, hey, I need a sax player. Oh, this guy played on my album. Is that sort of word of mouth kind of thing, or is there like yeah. a, a better way of getting into it that way? Yeah, word of mouth. I mean, I, I, I guess in a lot of situations, we've gotten pretty lucky. It's right time, right place. And yeah. Someone says your name, and, and yeah, I guess yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. I, yeah, I feel like sax is still. I mean, a lot of bands definitely use it and have used it over the years. It kind of seems like it comes and goes, though. You hear a bunch of bands. It'd be like an era where everyone has a sax player or even like a horn section or whatever, right? Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden, there's just nothing. And everyone's doing on the keyboards. And then it goes with and all you hear is, can you hear Baker? Can you play Baker Street? Right, right. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, that's cool that you're still able, you've been able to kind of like keep it up and keep keep playing yeah. in different projects. So, I mean, are you, uh, we just listened to that, that big band song. Uh, does jazz influence what you're doing now? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, in what, and in what way? Um, well, I guess other than my solo project, we've been, like Family Punters is a Motown. Right, band. so it's going to come in. I guess so the I, yeah, 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 yeah. So I have I have that as like also a primary source. So you know, just just even learning all those tunes, like listening and learning to all those songs. Sure, yes, yeah. You kind of is that specifically in Motown or just soul in general? Oh, soul, yeah, yeah. yeah. I say Motown because it's in, right. recognizable. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, no, that's uh, cool. So that I mean, that stuff I guess comes into your sound too, like yeah, you know, your solo yeah. stuff to those influences. Find yes. way in, yeah. Yeah, that, like even uh, it's funny like how, how you transition to guitar from a saxophone. With saxophone, you can't necessarily play chords, and you can right. do weird overtone stuff, but you can't play chords. So the way you kind of write things on a saxophone, it's different than writing things on a guitar. Cause yeah, you yeah. have these combinations of notes you can do on a guitar. So it's uh, neat how playing saxophone influences guitar playing. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, is that and is that was sax your main writing instrument before too? I mean, were you coming up with songs? I would come up with things on there, but actually, guitar was still. I'd, I guess guitar is the easiest, right? Just yeah. Because it's. I mean, my just, mom taught me a D chord. And I was then you get to go right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sort of punk band, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was terrible, but I was good to go. <laughs> as long as you play a couple chords, you're exactly. good, right? Yeah, that's cool. Okay, well, I'm gonna. Uh, you know, we're gonna talk to you more about about your music, about your your single, your album, and and just your sound in general. But uh, because it's the belly theme, I'm gonna pick a song that uh, goes with belly. And um, one of the first things I thought of uh, is a song by Fishbone. It's called Beer Gut. Um, they have a very prominent sax player in their sound. The lead singer is also a sax player. Nice. And uh, so that kind of ties in here. It wasn't intentional, but it, it does <laughs> work. Awesome. And this is from an album called Chim Chim's Badass Revenge, which came out in 96. And um, it's not a very highly regarded album, unfortunately. Like, it's actually the first album in 96 I heard them, and it blew my mind. And it tra- I, I found out years later that people like shit on this record. They don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it was like, oh, this is amazing. And it's like, it really, they're one of my favorite bands, like, even to this day. And this kind of really got me into them. It's it's uh, maybe not representative of their sound so much, this song, but mm-hmm. it's uh, representative of the album in the sense that the album is really, really chaotic and there's um, kind of a lot of things happening at once, like lots of screaming and lots of horn noises and lots of just kind of like really fast uh, weirdness happening. So nice. it's a cool song and Beer Gut fits belly. I mean, it's about a guy <laughs> with a beer gut. It's pretty straightforward lyrics. Perfect but for belly.
your back there's Fishbone. That was Beer Gut from Chim Chim's Badass Revenge. And yeah, like like I said, it's one of my favorite albums uh, by one of my favorite bands. And it's not a very highly regarded album. So <laughs> whatever it did to me when I was a teenager, just it, it hit the right the sweet spot. And like I've always liked it, but like as an adult, it keeps I, going as nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, I think it's part of it too. As an adult, I recognize that they have better albums, and I, I love their like a lot of the rest of their catalog too. But mm-hmm. it's just a weird band that kind of should have made it bigger than they did. But and yeah, first thing that came to my mind: Belly, Beer Gut, Fishbone. <laughs> And I know I've played a few songs from this record on the show. Probably the one of the rare times this album's been played on the radio by anybody. It's just like, oh, sweet, I can play Chim Chim. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So I don't know. I like I love the song. It's cool. It, it kind of fit in with the sax thing a little bit, which is yeah. completely fluke and unintentional. Making another but, theme here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, like to me, um, I feel like I do listen to a lot of music with saxophones in it. Uh, I mean, I listen to a lot of soul, uh, like you were saying. I listened, uh, you know, I was in a ska band in the 90s. Uh, we obviously had sax players in our band. Um, I listened to tons of reggae. I listened to lots of ska. I listened to lots of, uh, a lot of jazz, mostly um, kind of avant-garde stuff. Like, I, I really like uh, Ornette Coleman. I like John Coltrane when he goes way out. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm a big Sun Ra fan, stuff like that. Um, well, not that Sun Ra was a sax player, but, you know, he's got sax players. Yeah. Like John Gilmore and stuff. Yeah. And uh, so it's it is always cool for me to hear that in in music nowadays because it seems so it's not common like yeah. you know most people that I have on the show do not have a second player in their band so, so that's cool so um, I guess maybe a good question then is how do you add that to the what we're calling roots folk <laughs> because that's even more of a kind of an an odd odd instrument out in that kind of music than it even is in a rock band or, or yeah. you know a punk band or something so something I've had trouble trouble doing. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, trouble yeah. convincing my my producer about it as well. Oh, really? Yeah, but um, it's I guess it ends up more just being a, actually like a, a taste and a feel thing that happens. So it's not even okay. if saxophone is not necessarily implemented, you still get the soul. Okay. Kind of feel coming out of what you're playing. Right, right, right. Is there kind of a a different way of playing? to suit that type of music when you are playing sax? Yes. I mean, the, yes. I mean, is it just like texturally different or something? How, how does that... Um, generally, if I'm doing like alt-folky stuff or like I'll, I'll play on some country stuff as well, which is kind of okay. the closest thing that I'll ever get to doing alt-roots folk. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but uh, longer airy notes and lots of space. Like okay. You, that makes sense. You yeah. sit out a lot and... And just kind of tasteful little bits here and there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like it has to be like really sparse and... Which is actually a really difficult thing I found as a musician when I was starting to play in country bands. Like to stuff. not play all the time? To not play. So yeah, yeah, yeah. because most of the time like uh, we do the same country Christmas every year. Okay. And so I'm saxophone player in that. And you just kind of have to sit there for a bit? I sit like, there, yeah. yeah. I sit, there's, there's songs where I just don't play and, you know, you, you kind of just have to stand there yeah. and look pretty. Right, and I guess if you're if you're playing like you know like the, the soul thing, I mean that the sax is pretty much yeah you can keep throughout. going yeah yeah, yeah yeah and so it's just this this weird thing where you feel like you should be playing right but you know that there's nothing positive that you could add to the music right so you have to sit back so and, you sit yeah. back and just kind of wait that's cool yeah so you were saying your producer didn't want the sax like <laughs> what's, what's, what's the story by that um, well <laughs> we have it kind of added in one of the other tracks okay. Um, the reason I ask but, is because it seems like, it, you know, the producer would probably be aware that you come from that background. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, he's, uh, actually, I should, I should reword that. The producer was pretty pretty cool with it, and my manager wasn't. Okay. <laughs> would the manager also be aware of the Yeah. He, uh, well, and I understand where he's coming from, too, because we're going, we're going for a very, um, like, uh, uh or uh, it's a appealing sound to like a lar- larger audiences, right. right? Kind of 
bridging different genre gaps so that we have more the widest possible audience yeah, yeah. and um sometimes that phone just doesn't really fit there i guess so, and yeah. that's that's just that's you know that's a good concern for a manager to have yes yeah, so that's what I suppose <laughs> so. so what kind of artists are you influenced by for this particular project like for, for the for the solo stuff this project because i'm sure you know obviously like we we're you know going back to the, the first song mm-hmm. you picked there i mean yeah you have that influence i'm sure based on only the different projects you mentioned you're playing and you've got probably taking bits and pieces from all of that but for the specific solo music you're doing now you know songs mainly written on guitar <laughs> yeah. folk or whatever you want to call it like what what kind of uh what are you drawing from for mm-hmm. that or what are you listening to you know when you're coming up with ideas for that that's a hard um I, I do. I have been listening to a lot of Wilco, okay. uh, Grizzly okay. Bear, okay. Also Grizzly Bear, Dirty Projectors. So mostly, mostly newer stuff. Eh? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, for that, I mean, uh, in in some of some of like, I, I, I will say even even though it is sounding very different than what it than uh, than the Mars Volta, the Mars yeah. Volta is probably the biggest influence on. That's awesome. It's one of my all time um, favorite bands. All the yeah, so good. The and that's a band that uses sax like really oh, yeah. well yeah. and yeah. kind of sparingly too, right? <laughs> yes. But when yeah. they do use it, it's just like well, holy crap! It's like all of a sudden, Dave the Bathman's and yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like, yeah. What is this? Where did it come from? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. That's a. And that's probably people aren't going to expect that from hearing. Well, based on winter anyway. Yeah. People are not going to expect that as an yeah. influence at all. So. I mean, uh, I, I guess it, you could, you can hear it if like uh, based on um, like the structure of the song. Okay. Because they don't follow like a linear like. Not at all. No. Yeah. Verse yeah. chorus structure is yeah. like primary like folk alt root thing. Right, which would be the very set. Yeah, setting, you have yeah. you have you you know you have your formula like your intro verse yeah. chorus verse chorus outro kind of. Right, and there's setting. this like verse weird thing. Yeah, <laughs> backwards part. <laughs> Fifteen minute solo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you don't even realize that you're you're writing that way until you're trying to explain it to your band of like. Right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And then you have to write it down because you you have to write down the whole song in one. You can't just write down the verse and chorus and say, okay, you repeat these two or three times. Right. You have to ask it's your, not. Like, doesn't exist. It's right. not linear, yeah. Right, right. So do you, is that, I mean, are you writing most of the parts for, for the other instruments as well for this? Or are you kind of, are you collaborating in the, on, the, on the songwriting or? Um, collaborating, like, I, I had a really hard time choosing a band, but I cho- chose these guys because I trust them completely. Okay, and just from experience? Just from experience and because we've played together for so many years that it, it's just, I, it's, I can direct them into something that I want. Yeah, yeah. And they will pick up on it. So I'm not I'm not technically writing it. Uh, I'm you know you have the I idea want, like, it's being... I want like this or you know and I'll clap a bit or <laughs> yeah, yell yeah. or something and then they'll And they it. they get it like yeah. they pick up on it pretty quick. Yeah. That's good. That's good. It's a good thing to have. Yeah, it's, really, it's a really good thing to have. Well, especially if this is your first band that you're leading, right? I mean mm-hmm. like that, that's something that maybe isn't always going to be the case when someone, you know, is doing their first attempt at Yeah. at being the guy. Which is very difficult. Yeah, is that is that is that different from a performance perspective too for you? Like to be maybe not the guy sitting back playing sax every once in a while to cut yeah. the song versus being <laughs> like different. the focal point. Is it? Well, the one thing I've had trouble with is uh, banter. Yeah, like, like cut, between song banter. Yeah, kind of? yeah. yeah. Like, uh, and that was the one thing that I never thought about. And I took uh, this like art of managing your career course. And okay. So there's a few musicians where we talked about how we could better, uh, better organize or be- do do what we do better. And uh, one of the things that came up was stage banter, and I was like, "Well, like, I write I write decent songs, and yeah. you know, I can I can play my instruments, but I can't make eye contact with the oh, audience, really? so you're like, and I yeah. can't really talk to them very yeah. well because I get you know a little nervous and this and that. So that's been a, you know steadily getting better. I've practiced that by 
booking solo shows without a band. Okay. So you have to. You so gotta, I have to just. No one else can take over for you. I have no one else packing yeah. me up, and that's that's been good practice. That's cool. That's, I think that's something people don't normally think about. Like you know, I mean, you you see a band live. Either they're going to just let the song speak for themselves and just play through a set, or they're doing lots of banter or kind of a mix. But yeah, I don't think people really consider how much thought goes into the banter. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, a lot of the time, it obviously isn't any thought going into it. But yeah, that's, that's interesting. I think last time I was in a band, which has been a while now, but I was the same, that was a front man, but I didn't. I just let the other guys talk. I didn't say anything. <laughs> I would just, yeah, it's weird, yeah. Like, usually what I end up doing, well, when I started it, what I would end up doing is I'd remember other people's stories from their stage. Oh, members. yeah. <laughs> just so like, I'd remember, like, Richard Inman's story that okay. he told at a show once, and I'd be like, so, yeah, this guy said this. And just put a spin on it, <laughs> and that's cool. Be like, I'm stealing a story right now, because I don't know how to stage manage, and you kind of, like, make a joke yeah, out of it. Yeah, and that maybe connects with the crowd a bit, too. Yeah, so. exactly. Cool. Did you want to go to another Belly song? Sure. Let's, uh, let's do Starving in the Belly of a Whale by Tom Wake. Awesome. If you 
All right, that was Tom Waits, and yeah, that's uh, Belly right in the title. <laughs> it's very Tom Waitsy. That's kind of I don't think anyone could like misidentify that as any other artist, but no. Tom Waits is pretty awesome. It's cool. Yeah, that was a cool song. And yeah, Starving the Belly of the Whale. I mean, fits the Belly theme pretty yeah. good. I like how we've we've gone a bunch of different directions here with Belly. It's, yeah, it's nice. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, uh, earlier we mentioned um, like you know some of the bands that, that you were influenced by. Um, I mean, is this is Tom Waits someone that uh, that you would consider an influence, or is it just someone you kind of casually listen to, or? Something more recently influenced, but not something like my mom used to listen to him when I was oh, really? a kid. Okay. And okay. I never really got into him probably about until two years ago when I started listening to Foreign Affairs. Okay. I feel like he's for a lot of people he seems like one of those people one of those artists you can't be casually into. Like people just kinda go full on into yeah. <laughs> and they're just like in this weird Tomage world. Because <laughs> the haze. Yeah. <laughs> something floating around their head, yeah. <laughs> just because like it's too and maybe maybe it's similar to the Mars Volta, I think, too, actually. It's it's too kinda out. For people to just, oh, mm-hmm. I like this one song. Yeah. Because what what song what Tom Waits song is like the hit single that you like, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not really a thing. Like they all have that kind of weird cheese tea shanty cookie monster whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> strange lyrics thing going on. So yeah, no, that's cool. That's it was a good choice. Yeah, it was a good choice. I like them. So um, your album, I mean, I know you're sixty six percent complete. So it's, it's not it's not it's it's on the way. You know, later this year, right? But mm-hmm. um, is that something you're releasing yourself, or have you figured that out yet? How it's going to be. Are you working um, with a label or? Yeah, um, I, I work with uh, Great Comedian Entertainment, okay. which is uh, my my good friend Scott Ord kind of streamlines that project. He's uh, my manager, okay. as you would say. Okay. And uh, the same manager who didn't like the saxophone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love him, so it's okay. okay, he's great. By the way, my favorite manager that I could ask for. Uh, we've been working together on music uh, in a weird way since I was probably about sixteen. Okay. So he he. He recorded my first ever band when. Was he, he also that age, recording. or is he? Yeah, like, he's, yeah. yeah he's, all, he's our age. But uh, then he he went to Nimbus School of Recording Arts and got cool. his, finished his schooling there, and then moved off to LA and well. did a whole bunch of producer stuff. And now he started his own company. So who else is there? Other local bands on that label that people might know? Um, there's a uh, Franny Klein. Um, sure she's a country singer. Okay, okay. Uh, Sounds like a country singer's name. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. pretty good name. Um, then there is uh, Eric... Uh, oh. J.R. J. Butler, Eric Taylor. Eric Taylor is from Saskatoon, I believe. Okay. J.R. Butler is from Vancouver, and the face plants are from Vancouver. Is there a sound to the label, or is it just a kind of a mix? It's, uh, it's pretty eclectic, actually. Like, the, the face plants... I don't Kind of like alt, alt rock reggae. Oh, really? Okay. As a, I, What's I, like, yeah, everything, everything's it's, it's hard to describe. Everything's that. got genres <laughs> clamped, slammed together, right? So, but uh, and then and then Eric Taylor is just a pretty straightforward like alt rock guy. Okay, um, catchy songs. Cool. Um, Joe Butler's hip hop. Okay. And uh, Franny's country. It's a pretty good mix. And then you're doing your thing, yeah. Yeah, so. I'm doing whatever mine. Whatever you want to <laughs> define it as, yeah. No, that's cool. Um, is, so is this, uh, I, mean, I don't know if you know the answer to this yet, but this is a question that comes up almost every single time uh, when we do the show, and uh, I kind of hate asking it because I ask it every time, but I think it's an interesting question to see what people's answers are because uh, the, the question is, um, when you release the album, how are you going to be releasing it uh, in terms of formats? And the reason that I kind of love and hate this question is that, uh, I mean, first of all, I ask everyone, but uh, <laughs> secondly, it's because it's 2016, because the way people listen to music is vastly different than it was even 10, 15 years ago, 
kind of people's choices for how they want to release their music is is can vary greatly from one artist to another uh often depending on kind of the level of success they're at or the type mm-hmm. of music they're playing i mean you can have a band that uh is going to go only cassette and that's a, like a deliberate thing or people are just i mean uh we had michael visser on recently he mentioned that he would prefer to have everything just digital oh, i remember his and, thing and, about and, cassette too right, right? He, he, he put it out on tape he put it on tape and i mean i i have a copy of that tape and it's fantastic yeah, yeah. and i have listened to it a number of times on tape but he was saying he doesn't even have a tape deck like i mean well, he, yeah he ran into the problem that people didn't have tape decks. right right so i yeah. mean and then everyone kind of wants to put something out on vinyl but it's out of reach for most people financially so it's kind of an annoying question but it's kind of interesting too i think to find out what mm-hmm. people decide with that so i don't know if that's something that you have already figured out or it's up to the label or what but i mean do you have an idea of what's going to happen with your record i've thought about it um and it's kind of difficult with the whole digital thing like i i know with winter we actually had really good success releasing it on digital platforms so I, did you release it physically at all or was it just I did just digital and um we had pretty good i mean i don't know what monetary success we had at this point on right. that one song but I'm assuming it's going to be minimal anyway just because it's one track. Right, and it's the internet and people buy them pretty cheap. And yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, it was, we, we, um, there, there was this, I can't remember, it was a site that we, you, you kind of pay a yearly fee and uh, we gave the song to it and two weeks before the release date and it sets it up on all the digital platforms oh, that nice. are available. So you don't so, do it manually? It's exactly. All and then it kind of releases them all on there at the same time. Cool. So that's, that was our method for the single, which I like that and I yeah, definitely want to continue cool. doing that. Um, I want to make at least one vinyl for myself. <laughs> just, just one copy, <laughs> just, just, just to have it. Yes, yeah. just to have it, so yeah. I can, you know. Um, but, but probably a few more just for like family and friends. But that wouldn't be something that right. that'd be like an investment. Honestly. Yeah, it's like more expensive to make three or four copies than it is to make a few hundred yeah, copies. Yeah, right so now. it'd be like more yeah. of an, an, you know, I'm, I, I don't think it'd be a very good idea for me to make hundreds of copies of vinyl. Right. right. Just because I, I would. That'd be a lot of money. It, yeah, just it's prohibitive. And, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm a cook. <laughs> right, <laughs> I don't right. Pay very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so we, so I definitely want to do online. Uh, see, I, I think CDs are the way to go for, yeah. for this one. Just, just in terms of having a physical thing. Just in terms of having a physical thing. The rest, I was, I was even debating having. Um, then, uh, well, we looked in. I was looking into buying bulk USB sticks. Oh yeah, it's a cool idea. And having, you know, putting in. My friend Tony actually kind of put me onto that idea a while ago. You put all you put your album on there with your artwork and everything. Yeah, yeah. On the USB sticks because people can stick it into their computer. And they got everything right away. Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was the thing that was seemed like it was going to happen like a few years back, and then it never took off for some reason. I know people still do it, but it. I, I mean, Nine Inch Nails did it. Nine Inch Nails did it. Mm-hmm. Like they were like very early too. Like before anyone else. This is like at least ten years ago, and I think I, I remember hearing that they had like. They hid them around like the washrooms and stuff at their show, and people were finding these USB sticks with a new album that wasn't out yet or something. And uh-huh. like that's kind of a cool thing. And I know a bunch of punk bands are doing that too in Germany and stuff. Like, uh, you know, have you ever heard of the band Wizzle? It's a no. German punk no. band, and they released like this is again like ten years ago or so, like a long really? time back. Yeah, full album on just on it's USB sticks. Back stick. when USB sticks were way more expensive. Big, yeah, <laughs> more expensive, <laughs> and they were giant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They probably had way less storage on them. But yeah, and and I remember thinking at the time like, well, this is cool. I don't know if I personally am going to buy one of these mm-hmm. for, right over an album, over a physical album, but it seemed like a cool thing. And then I didn't hear about it anymore. And it seems like, I don't know what happened to it. Like if it, well, cause I, and I was thinking about that, that problem too, with the USB sticks. And I think, I think it comes because I, I, I just bought premium Spotify. Um, right. I think that's probably the best thing that you could have. Is it <laughs> like you, you know, you, you have an album 
that you want. You, you, you just look it up. it up and it's right there? I mean, you're still paying for the music in, in, in a way. So is that, that's a, that kind of the follow-up question then, I mean, to how are you going to release your album? Is that how you primarily listen to music now? Is that, I mean, do you... Spot, yeah, I, yeah? yeah, I mean, just, just recently, before, before I was, you know, I, I still buy records. Yeah. Like, I, that's, that's always my stick. I don't really own CDs. Okay. Um, I have a lot of CDs, but generally, when I whenever I move, they end up you lose a few somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. I think yeah. I left them all in my last house because of that problem. Oh, or yeah. you know, you open your CD case and the CDs not there. The wrong CDs in it or something. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, yeah, you were a little loose the night before and you left yeah. CDs in. Or you had it in the car or something. Yeah. Or you had it in the disc winner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this and that, and uh, so I, I think actually digital is like I'll have like my physical copies of yeah. CDs just because to sell at shows and whatnot. Kind and of they're thing, you know yeah. they're there then like you you know you'll get two hundred fifty or however many made and then they're there. Yeah. But, uh, and you may have boxes of them years later. You never know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, people, yeah. I know a lot of people who still have boxes of CDs from like you know '97 or something. Yeah, you have your unopened box. Yeah. that you've been moving yeah. from house to house. No, it's but, interesting though because I and I, I've mentioned this on the show before because it's come up a few times. I don't have any frame of reference for the Spotify and all that stuff. I've never done it. I don't. I don't know why I can't get my head around it. It just seems like I wouldn't enjoy it. And I know I would because I know I'd have access to all these songs. But I still listen to tapes. Still listen to CDs. I still listen to records. And even like on a phone, I don't dump a bunch of music on and listen to it. I will the night before I'm going somewhere, I'll load one album on, like like a Walkman. Yeah. Listen to that, then delete it. Even though I have space to do more than that, <laughs> I, I can't get. It's like I'm stuck in this weird mindset where I can't get past the old way of listening to. Like I might as well just get a Walkman again and just because I have enough tapes to, to just do it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like for some reason. It, it's always been a thing for me, and I don't know why this is. I mean, I'm just a weird, I guess. But like, even when I had burnt CDs of albums, I would never listen to them as much as uh, the actual CD. I don't know why. Yeah. Even if it was a band I really liked, I would like have the burnt CD, and then I'd later just go out and buy the CD, and I would listen to that more. I, I think it's I like having the tactile part. Like I like, especially with records, obviously. Yeah. You know, I like picking it up, touching it, I like being involved in some minor way in making the music come out of the speakers. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, whether rewinding a tape or hitting play on a CD player, even if it's just the one thing, which is really not much different. From I, I love moving phone. the needle. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's something, and I like sitting down and listening to a record and looking at the liner notes. Even though I've looked at the liner notes 300 times before, I like to sit down, open it up, read everything, read who produced it, who wrote it, and all that stuff, and. I still do that, even though I can just go online and Wikipedia or yeah. whatever, right? Well, but, it's a different experience when you, you know. Yeah, that, it is that whole like tactile thing. It's that that like you you have this physical copy in your hands. Yeah, it's it's like the difference between reading a book or reading a book on the internet. And I can't do that either. I can't read a book. I, on e-books the make no sense to me. No. I, but like, I, 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 but I, if I have a physical book, it's... right? I'll gladly read a physical book. And mm-hmm. I realize that both CDs and records and books take up unnecessary amounts of space <laughs> in my house. But I don't know for some reason I can't. I can never get past it. But I, I've been meaning to check out one of these Spotify type things just I, to. I think Spotify is, is is the best one. I haven't like I I don't I. I don't use any of the other ones. I've never tried. I just I, I, I just decided I'd try it one day, and it's awesome because my iPod broke, and I don't have a Walkman or anything. Right, right. So you've so, got that, yeah. And I don't have data or whatever. I'm like I can't use the internet if I don't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, same with me. Yeah. So the nice yeah. thing about Spotify is you press this like available offline. Cool. Button and then it saves everything so you can just listen to it when you're done. We, awesome. should, we should get a sponsorship pay for this. We should. We should definitely. Yeah, we're talking all about it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to pick another song before we keep going on about the Spotify thing. I, like, I, like I said, I do kind of hate that question and that everything that leads into it, but it is interesting to see the answers. I think one day, if I ever have enough time, I might like, go through all the episodes and just compile all the answers to that question because they are different. Like, it, yeah. like I mean, just 
again with the Mike Visser example, like the thing with the tapes is really interesting. As someone who, when I was first in the band, we did tapes on purpose, and we only did tapes, right? Yeah. And yeah. This, uh, this isn't even that long ago. This is like a band I was in like ten years ago. You know, mm-hmm. we specifically did tapes, and this is a guy doing tapes just because he, he doesn't listen to. It. So I don't know. It's weird. It's awesome. But anyway, I'm gonna pick a song. Um, <laughs> And, that, uh, that was a really good answer. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, when I'm thinking about uh, belly, uh, obviously, you know, some of the things that came up were uh, other words came up were fat, skinny, you know, those kind of things because mm-hmm. typically belly is associated with fat. So I was thinking of all these things. I was thinking like, oh, fat records. I could play a punk song from fat records or all these songs with fat in the title or obese or whatever, <laughs> large, you know. And then um, just this thing clicked in my head and there's a song, uh, do you know Ecomos? Are you familiar with Ecomos? No. Ecomos is a dance hall artist. He... Uh, Kind of had his heyday in the early 80s. And there's like a, a pocket in the late 70s, early 80s uh, of dancehall that is like my all-time number one genre of music and era of music. Like if I could listen to only one very small window of music ever, it would be this one particular pocket in the early 80s from Jamaica. And it, 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 to me, it kills absolutely everything else. And I listen to a lot of different stuff. But this is just like, this is the shit right here. Like it's, you know, this is... And so Ikamos is one of the artists who kind of was really, really at his prime in that era and there's a producer called uh, Junjo Laws who ran Volcano Records and um, he produced a lot of this kind of really epic Ikamo stuff a lot of other artists that were around at the time on his label guys like Yellow Man Barrington Levy uh, Michigan and Smiley I don't know if any of these names are uh, ring bells for you but uh, this is a lot for me to (laughs) no it's okay I'm I'm keeping note of everything in there but uh, Ikamos is a weirdo and uh, to get to the the theme he has a song called Anorexol which is about as far as I can tell, uh, <laughs> it's about uh, he goes away and he comes back and his woman has changed sizes from being really skinny to really fat. And she's apparently taking a drug called anorexol that makes anorexic people become big again. I don't know if this is a real drug or not, but this is like the conceit of the song he's singing about. And Ikamos is one of the strangest artists. Uh, he sings in a very odd falsetto and makes a lot of percussive noises with the vocals, okay. but he's like 6'8", and like 300 pounds, he's a massive like bodybuilder type guy, and he's singing in this incredibly high voice, which when you see him, it, it makes this disconnect, complete <laughs> disconnect, and uh, yeah, he's he's kind of, I don't know if he's underrated, because there's sort of a certain segment of music fans who like love him and think he's like just outstanding, but I think that in general, he's kind of underappreciated because I don't think most people are going to hear this and be like, oh, this is great. They're going to just be like, what the hell? What is it? <laughs> like, like Ikimos, like, yeah, yeah, right, 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 exactly, yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of maybe a lot of the things that we've been playing today. <laughs> you know, Tom Waits, same thing, right? Like, I mean, a yeah, lot yeah. of people will hear that and it's a very uniquely odd voice. Yeah. So, anyway, Anorexol, I thought of, and it's kind of one of the, if you can say that Ikimos had hits, uh, this would be one of his hits, probably right next to Wadudem, which is one of my all-time favorite songs, but that song has nothing to do with fat or belly, so we're going with Anorexol. <laughs> All right.
Ikemos, uh, Anorexal, and like I said, it's a kind of a tangential connection to the theme. <laughs> but I love Ikemos, and you know, any chance to, to get him played on the show, uh, it's kind of it's kind of cool. He's awesome. Yeah, he uh, he's still around. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I've heard anything he's done since the '80s. I mean, he put out some really kind of crappy albums right near the end of the '80s, and I think those is. Yeah, I kind of stopped caring, but I mean, not that I listened to him at the time, but you know, like when going back on his catalog, like you can kind of see that as like a there's a bit of a decline, yeah. A and I, I think a lot of it too isn't his fault. It's just that at this period, like he was working with Ginger Laws, who is for my money like the best producer. Like, I mean, pretty much anything that he put out, I will listen to, and it's usually awesome because mm-hmm. he had the, the Roots Radix band as his house band, which is the group playing on this, and they okay. played on pretty much all this stuff from this era, and they're just like so tight and. They probably want, I mean, I think one of the best session bands, uh, just in terms of like, they have a very unique sound. I know a lot of people, I don't want to get too much into this, but a lot of people kind of have the impression of reggae that it's boring and basic and simple. And I think this is one of those bands that kind of shows that it's not, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more going on, and there's a lot of precision to it and everything like that. Yeah. And so, I mean, the stuff he did backed up by them is phenomenal because the production is great, because they were great and everything. And then, kind of as you get further into the 80s, the idea of backing bands just didn't happen anymore and people were using synthesizers they were doing everything digital and this guy to me is suited to a live band and yeah his later albums which are super produced and super kind of polished and and like you know shitty pre-made rhythms like it just never i think that's actually why why the opinion of reggae kind of changed too is because as as time go as time went on the like whole precision like the the whole the whole point is like the rhythm section is precise yeah well the, the Excess- rhythm is excessively the, precise yes yeah, exactly the the bass and the drums are the most important the yeah. bass is the lead instrument like, yeah and yeah and I mean it's it is repetitive but it's there's more going on than that I yeah think that, and uh, and that that gets lost because you have all these newer reggae bands yeah. I won't really name anything but um, they I I, th- I think I think they just they they hear the groove on a record. Yeah, they and you replicate it, it, and that's it. That's they don't, it. There's, there's no depth to it. Yeah, there's no like continuation or or uh, or ad- adding on because like the the whole thing about that kind of music too is like continuous repetition, and you change little things for sure. one at a time. For sure. You I know? mean, even even in the the digital era too. I mean, like that's the whole thing. Everyone's playing the same rhythm, but they're doing their own spin on it vocally. But when you have I mean, you have twenty. I have records that the whole record is the same rhythm over and over again, and just different vocalists. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to listen to in one sitting because <laughs> the same, <laughs> same rhythm over and over again. But I mean, yeah, I guess like a guy like this is is very suited to a live band that can reinterpret the rhythm while they're playing it, rather than just this is exactly what the instrumental sounds like in this untouchable. And when you have guys actually doing their own version of it and playing it in the studio. And especially when there's extended versions, and most of these songs have extended 12-inch versions, which are like an extra three or four minutes of instrumental in the middle of it, mm-hmm. which is like, like, you know, dubbed out a little bit and stuff. It's really cool. But yeah, I think that it just kind of adds this uniqueness with a unique vocalist like that. It just kind of... Oh, and like all the, all the older stuff too used to be like melodica heavy. Oh, melodica's great. Melodica's yeah. fantastic, yeah. And that's something that kind of got lost along the way too. So yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, I guess people still use it for dub and stuff, but really yeah. other than that, it's just kind of like this weird kid's instrument. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. something I always wanted to play, actually. I always wanted to find melodica. Oh, so much fun. It's cool, yeah. I, I wish I had one when I was a kid. It seems like one of those things some people have, and it's like, what, you have a melodica? It's crazy. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't, have you ever been a melodica? That, yes, yeah, yeah. 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 I, uh, one of my first gift cards I got for Quest Music, oh, nice. I went and made sure they had a melodica. Nice. Do you still have it? No. no. <laughs> That's lost cool. at a festival somewhere. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's a good instrument. And anyway, yeah, so it fits the belly theme kind of, it, you know, it's a connection, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a good, it's a good artist I like to play. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, okay, so your album's coming out uh, later this year, and uh, you know, obviously, people should check that out mm-hmm. when it comes out. Are you um, 
leading up to the release of the album, are you going to be doing a lot of shows? I know you mentioned kind of festival uh, season is sort of what you're yeah, that's aiming the, towards. The, the bigger plan, I think uh, April we're going to release two more songs. Okay. They're kind of uh, they're kind of one song, but they're two songs. In two parts or something? Or? Yeah, it's they just tie together really nice, and I, I, I like to see them as um, kind of like polar opposites. Okay. So I okay. put them together because... They are drastically different. Right, right. And but there's a connection between them. Or yeah, yeah. It becomes more of it's a. I guess if you're like to, to think of it in like a, form of imagery, it'd be like, ones of more uplifting like, summertime, nighttime excitement kind of feeling okay. to it, and then, the next song would be like, the morning after. Okay. Waking okay. Up groggy kind of. Makes sense. Yeah. But slow, not like. Bad, more like melancholy. Are you releasing them together? Yes. Okay. That's yeah. Cool so idea. that'll be the, that'll be the kind of the 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 lead up, and then I'll have a show releasing that as like a preamp to okay. festival season. And then festival season is kind of when you do the bulk of the gigs. Yeah. And then we'll do all those gigs and kind of get our name out there. Hopefully. Okay. And, and then, then the album comes out after. And the that. album comes out after. Cool. That. That's a, seems like a good strategy. Yeah. Is uh have you, have you done a lot of festivals like with other projects you play? Other projects, yeah, yeah. We've done mainly local ones, so I guess. I've well, there's a million of them, though. Yeah. So it seems like every week you hear one new festival, which is great. Yeah. It's fantastic, but yeah. I like uh, the, the the big one, which is actually more of just a birthday party. It's not really a festival, but Shine On. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's see, but that's getting bigger, though. It seems well, like it's every it's year you hear more about it and stuff. Yeah. Right? So, that's cool. We always end up, it's always like our crew of musicians that play, so we have... Okay. You know, like Dan, my drummer, was on the first night he played in all of the bands. Oh, wow. That's, how many bands was that, like... Six or seven, or eight, seven, right? Yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. But that's yeah. I think something that happens in Winnipeg. I mean, just generally, like just from I mean, not not even from being a band myself, but from doing the show. I mean, we're like 160 whatever episodes in at this point, and the amount of people who have been in bands with each other or know each other from touring together or whatever, like just yeah. from past episodes, like a guy I interviewed two years ago happened to be like. Could have been in a band with you at one point. Who knows? Right? Like, it's, it's ridiculous. I'll just scroll down. And yeah, yeah, right. There probably is a ton of people. Well, because like you did Eli, you did right, right. All, you know, and there's probably more. I, I sold my Visser guitar pedal. There you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so then like, I found out he was your last. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's weird. It's weird how that happens. I think it's like, and I think something like a festival setting is where that comes out more too, because it's like you see stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, a guy backing yeah. up a bunch of bands on the same. Yeah, it's just this weird like cross pollination of musicians. Yeah, it's so incestuous. When <laughs> <laughs> music scene. Yeah. Which is cool, though, it's yeah. Um, so you, uh, like, I mean, your, your first, you obviously have those other two songs coming out, you have the record coming out, the first mm-hmm. single is called Winter. Um, do you, I mean, maybe this is just, it's just the name of the song, I realize that, but a lot of people, not a lot of people, but there's, there's certain albums and certain songs by, 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 by different artists and different genres of music that kind of have a seasonal feel to what they do. Do you have any, I mean, Winnipeg, I feel, has a, a lot of people have a bleakness to what they do, not necessarily lyrically, but sometimes musically, that kind of, connects to me anyway as a listener to Winnipeg winter and to the mm-hmm. seasons and I think it's just kind of born out of being here and it just kind of comes out naturally in the music and you know this I just thought it was because you have winter in the title of the song yeah. but is that something that you I mean does, does Winnipeg does your surrounding environment kind of uh, affect not necessarily what the songs are about but like the sound that, that you you come up with I mean generally um, I mean this might sound really depressing but it's actually not <laughs> um, lots of the songs are more they, I, uh, the the feel is isolation. Okay, well that, that's a good yeah that's a good and, thing uh, about what it, parallel to what I'm trying to say yeah, yeah. like the, being stuck in this <laughs> yeah exactly and so so you you have that you know where uh, it, it's it, I, I guess it it comes out too like you have you have your winter time where you do all your practicing yeah yeah and then you have your summertime when where you go to shows like oh I'm gonna show everyone what I did it now 
Yeah. But then winter comes again, and you hide inside, and you practice, and you write. And right. You, you know, you still play shows, but... So, that was... Well, one of the re- I wrote winter, actually, in summertime. Okay. Fall, fall summertime. And uh, I wrote it as, like, a preamble to winter, and also because I was thinking a lot about winter because it's like you know the whole seasonal thing comes yeah. up all the time yeah well especially here yeah and <laughs> can we get away from you and uh and i wanted I, I was thinking about when lots of people do releases and i don't ever see too that many winter releases well this is true so i kind of came up with the idea of let's direct something towards yeah winter and on another note i just i just so happened to find out by whole bunch of people telling me that apparently I looked like Jon Snow. Okay. From so, Game of Thrones. Right. So, so winter is coming. Yeah. Was, it was, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, people kept calling me Jon Snow for a while and okay. everywhere I went and people I didn't know, I would go to like, I want to go get an x-ray at Misericordia Hospital and some guy in the waiting room was like, you Jon Snow. <laughs> so, yeah. so anyway, so that, and that, that became an inside joke. Right. Okay. And then so winter. then I kind of added to it. So it's like, I have to call winter and I have yeah, to yeah. release in winter yeah. just because there's all these things. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you want to pick another belly song? Sure. Um, well, so this this one we were kind of talking about it before during one of the other songs. Yeah. But, uh, it, it's off Bedlam and Goliath by Mars Volta. Awesome. Um, it's probably the more or less most guttural song on the album. It's a pretty guttural album. I think it's <laughs> yeah. So we'll say guttural is my, uh, is my tie it's into gut, belly. To belly, right? <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Um... So which and song just, are you gonna choose? I'm gonna I'm gonna choose actually, probably Goliath. Awesome. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking because originally I was gonna do Trailer Trash by Modest Mouse, but Goliath is a good choice. But, for sure. Uh, but then we kept going on about. Modest yeah, let's let's check it out. Let's check out Goliath. Awesome. <laughs> Just 
stretch for belly but it doesn't matter because it's the Mark Volta <laughs> <laughs> they should probably be played on every episode of the show I love the band so much and yeah like I don't know that's a great album it's my it's, favorite yeah it's really good really good I can't uh, probably can't... my one, uh, probably, it's probably my all time favorite I've said that often about uh, I've actually said people have asked me what my favorite band is I've said the Mars Volta I don't know if that's true I mean I think it changes every once in a while but they're up there they're top three for sure like, when yeah. I'm listening to them they're my favorite well, yeah, we, we, as I, soon as they're on you put like, on yes, it's like this is the best thing I've ever heard in my life yeah, and then it's like okay this is really good but there's other good stuff <laughs> yeah. too but yeah no they are and Francis the Mute is definitely top three favorite albums of any genre for me like I just as an actual album and like you know cohesive start to finish kind of thing it, it blows my mind even now let's do it hundreds of times it's a complete like, yeah and people don't do that anymore. Yeah. And it's nice to hear something like that in yeah. an era where everyone is on Spotify or whatever. <laughs> Back to I my... have Marshalls on Spotify. Right, right, right. <laughs> I guess you can still do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, we're going to pick one more song. I'm going to pick a song to go out on. But before we do that, uh, we'd like to remind listeners you know, where they can find uh, music by our guests, where they can find the show. Uh, if you have anything coming up that you want to plug uh, that people might be interested in checking out after they hear you on the show. So I guess, first of all, if someone is hearing you for the first time, they have no idea who you are, they just happen to be subscribing to this show, mm-hmm. uh, hey, who's this guy? Uh, how do they find out more? Maybe they like Winter, maybe they're interested in some of the stuff you've been talking about? Um, I have a... I, I guess I can't just say my name because it's probably hard to Well, spell. I mean, they'll be looking at the Oh, okay, so I'll just say the name, right? say the name. You can spell it if you want, but... I don't have the visual right now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I... Um, com is the website okay, that you can... Okay. It's it's a pretty basic kind of, and it'll give you links to Spotify and okay. my lyric video and all social that. media and stuff. I guess too. Yeah. Is all so linked um, you can also type in my name on Facebook, and uh, I have a Facebook band page. Okay, awesome. Or okay. you can add me as a friend if you want. And we'll link to some of this stuff on the Witch Police page too, so people yeah. So if you're I, on their site, you can find it pretty easily. So and I think that's the easiest way. I, I post updates for what I'm doing on okay on the internet. Pretty, so I mean, yeah, because this pe- this is gonna exist like you know in perpetuity. So if someone hears this like a year later. You'll probably have updated it saying where you're going to be playing then. Yeah. So it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but but uh, I guess the easiest way is uh, it has links to purchasing and everything is just www.casmergrill.com. Okay. No hyphens or anything. Okay. Just... And do you have anything, like, I mean, in the near future uh, coming up you might want to check out? Or uh, not not for my own project, no. Okay. Just uh, in, in April, keep your eyes out because I will be doing my double release show. Right. I'll be right. doing two more, two more song releases. Okay. Um, and we'll kind of combine that and do one big, nice show. Hopefully, thinking of the Western Cultural Center or something. But cool. It's like a bigger, bigger. Yeah, venue. it'll yeah. be a, yeah. a, a nicely planned out. So you will see posters and stuff okay. around. That's interesting to do uh, like a formal release show for two songs versus yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That's all. That's the whole concept is just trying to invest in smaller amount of songs. I guess. Right. And right. Well, and I guess, like, you know, kind of back to what we were saying before, too, that is a way people consume music now, too. They'll just individual songs. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I'm I, and now now you and my good friends are like the only people I know that still listen to albums. Right, right. Even right. though I have Spotify, so you know it's it's only well, it's so easy, it's only right, albums to, yeah. to pick songs. And I mean, I think everyone's just ADD and it's they, playlists, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's I mean that makes sense. It makes sense to do a release show for for a single or for a couple songs, yeah. just because things have changed and uh, dinosaurs like me are not able to <laughs> <laughs> not able to keep up. But okay, so if people want to hear more episodes of this show, they go to witchpolice.com. Uh, this will be episode 160 something and uh, no it'll be we already done that that's already oh, really? oh. yeah yeah so I mean uh, it'll be out a few weeks after we record it uh, right now we're up to 164 is coming out this week the week of recording <laughs> this so yeah so anyway they're all there you can go back to 2012 and all, all the archives are there for free download and streaming um, you know there's a pretty wide range of local artists and including some out of town people coming through that we've interviewed mm-hmm. too and it's all there for free uh, you can hear us on the radio on uh, Monday nights at 11 on UMFM, and those are older episodes that have kind of uh, given a second wind on the air. Like, it uh, gets rebroadcast uh, a few months later. So the ones that are airing right now, uh, now it's January when we're recording this, and it'll be episode from, like, August or something oh, yeah. getting played. So it kind of, it's, it's cool because they go online as a podcast, and then a few months later, if you missed it, I mean, you can always get it any time from the page, yeah. but here it is on the radio for you to give it, like, give it a listen on UMFM. Awesome. So it's really cool that UMFM does that and gives us a chance to have our shows on the actual, like, physical, you know, not physical, but... Yeah. legitimate airwaves I guess <laughs> or whatever you want to call yeah. it so yeah wishpolice.com um, we're part of the Garbage Hill Podcast Network which is a loose collective of local people doing variations on this on whatever topics I mean there's a lot of, pretty wide range of topics um, not only music shows there's comic book shows pop culture uh, video games all, I mean pretty much all the things people do podcasts about in general <laughs> there's, there's a Winnipeg there's a Winnipeg person doing that <laughs> and we really encourage people to check out those shows because uh, Winnipeg's you know it's a small small city everyone kind of knows each other everyone helps each other out uh i find in the music scene anyway so i I feel like this podcasting thing reminds me of what punk shows were like when i was a teenager where everyone's kind of diy no one's really making money off anything but everyone's kind of sharing fan base and sharing audience and and getting the word out and and garbageshellnetwork.com is where you can find that network um and it's on facebook and all that we encourage people to check that out and I'm sure there's other places you can find our show that I'm not remembering, but, uh, yeah, you know, we exist. We're out there. Type in which police is going to come up, but you're going to not find anything else, really. So all kinds of crap on there. So, yeah, check us out. We really encourage you. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm going to pick one more song before we go, and uh, this isn't what I was originally going to pick, but because we were talking about it earlier when I played the Ikemos song, um, I'm going to pick play the song. So this song is called uh, Pumpkin Belly. It's by an artist called Tenor Saw. And um, what we were saying about the Ikemos thing when we were talking about the live band versus the digital reggae, uh, this song, Pumpkin Belly, is uh, a vocal by a tenor saw on the slang tang rhythm, which is the um, kind of iconic first ever digital reggae rhythm um, ever. And it's from, it came from a song called Under Me Slang Tang um, by Wayne Smith. And the way that the, the rhythm was created is they were messing around with a Casio. It was a Casio NT20, I think. And it has this built-in rhythm um, that is like unreal for dancehall like it's absolutely perfect and they barely even added anything they just kind of played the chords on it right and it's this pre-programmed Casio rhythm and it is kind of like the forefather of everything that came afterwards in Jamaican music like this is like this weird Casio thing they were messing around with kind of launched dancehall and which you know in a way kind of led to the development of hip-hop led to so many other things I mean hip-hop already existed at this point but I mean that kind of the digitalization of reggae kind of had an impact on all these different types of music, like just ridiculous amount. Of, mm-hmm. if, if you could track a map of where reggae has gone, like this is kind of a, a key point on the map that shot into like 35 different directions, yeah. jungle music and electronic stuff and hip hop and dancehall and everything. So yeah. this is uh, not the original song, but it's that rhythm. And the song's called Pumpkin Belly. It's by Tenor Saw. He's famous for a song called, um, 
Ring the Alarm, which is kind of another staple of uh, of dancehall music. He got murdered when he was like in his early twenties or something. So he has a very small catalog of music. This is kind of one of the better known songs, I guess, by him. And Pumpkin Belly fits the belly theme, so <laughs> it's a good way to go out. Tenor saw digital reggae dancehall. Um, yeah, and thanks for having me over here. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Mommy. 